scramble up your hash browns. It's time for eggs and bacon. Howdy, yokes, and welcome back to Bacon and Eggs. I'm Tyler Carlin. And I'm Ethan Edgehill. And we're going to put in a lot of confusing characters this week. What? Exactly. That's exactly what I was saying. This week, we're talking about Fantastic Beasts, Crimes of Grindelwald, with none other than Potter expert and older brother extraordinaire, Jonathan Carlin. And, of course, I'm Tyler Carlin. That's Ethan Edgehill. Jay, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back, folks. W- welcome Yokes. back. We're talking talking Yokes. Potterverse this time. Yeah, we are. What did we talk last time? Ready Player One. I think we talked Ready, Ready Player, Player One last that. time. Yeah. Got, uh, I know. So that, that's available. Here too. The back catalog somewhere you can listen to Ready Player One. That was a fun episode. An okay movie. You know, Jay, we get you for a lot of those. Um, so... <laughs> We're talking about Crimes of Grindelwald. Now, this movie got like a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes last I checked from critics, like a 69 from an audience perspective. I have no idea how it did on Metacritic. And it made exactly what it cost, like $200 million uh, in the opening weekend worldwide, I think, Ethan. It was like 243. I will. 243. I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, So, you know, it was uh, not super well-received movie. It's pretty mediocre uh, sounding from that. Yeah. Yeah. P- the, the, the critics the critics on Rotten Tomatoes were not crazy about this movie. <laughs> Does not sound like it, which is so weird to me because both ti- I've seen it twice, and both times when I walked out of the theater, I was like, I loved it. Um, I have a lot of questions, and I feel like they set you up for a lot of stuff that they did not pay off in this movie, but I, I trust in J.K. Rowling that those things will be paid off, and... Uh, yeah, it's um, there are some like technical uh, like director decisions or I don't know cinematic decisions that I'm sort of like I don't understand why you did that. There were definitely and, some cinematic decisions where I yeah. do not understand why some, they I did don't that. Understand some things. There's some plot things that I don't understand that I'm like that just seemed dumb. But uh, overall, in general. Um, I walked out and I was like, that was awesome. I loved it. Um, so that's that's my initial reaction. But uh, I don't know what what was you guys' initial reaction. I uh, I, I left the theater underwhelmed. Oh, I was not mm-hmm. absolutely in love with the movie. I mean, I, I love Potter and I love you know I like the Fantastic Beasts world. Um, I wasn't crazy with the direction that they are going with some of the characters that I liked. Like I didn't like what happened with with Queenie's character, and I thought the new Tina thing, the you know the the relationship there, sort of it was like all weird in the first one and then completely off the deep end in this one um i wasn't i wasn't crazy about a lot of the the cinematography and i wasn't crazy about the sort of convoluted story but overall i'm happy that there is more potter for us to discuss and there's more wizarding world for us to discuss and i think that you know attack of the clones wasn't a good movie this wasn't a good movie but i still love star wars and i still love harry potter and that's sort of where i'm at right now I mean, I would say I would agree with you that maybe it's not a good movie in terms of like the uh, the cinematic qualities, but in terms of like a Harry, po- in addition to the Harry Potter universe, I thought it was great. And like, that's maybe what's you so disagree. that's what's so strange to me is because like if you can take one thing away from the David Yates Harry Potter movies as well as Fantastic Beasts, the first one is they are like impeccably well made and well shot movies. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you can you can criticize the stories and say like, oh, well, they left parts out or whatever people do. But like you, you can't really take a fault with those movies and like the, the cinematic and directorial decisions sure. made. This, Whereas this one was kind of the opposite is it was like all Potter and no movie. 
Right. It's almost the. It feels like a bit. And I've been saying I've been using the Last Jedi as an example, but maybe Prisoner of Azkaban is a better example. Where like if you go uh, like cinematically, like Prisoner of Azkaban is like it's beautifully shot. There's like all of the tricks they use to like with the camera and how they position the characters like helps tell the story itself. But then it's like they almost focused so much on like making the movie well that they forgot to tell the story well or something like they just let uh, like they just left a lot of stuff out but this is almost the exact opposite to me where it's like um th this is this is a uh, like from a fan perspective i love all the stuff they did with the characters and stuff but like i'm just like i think the most obvious glaring thing because you cannot miss it because it is staring at you at 40 feet high is the extreme close-ups in the ministry of magic right right at the beginning of the movie um it doesn't make any sense at all yeah. i don't so, get it i don't get so, it um well should we should we uh, is it assumed spoilers do we need to warn people for spoilers or anything Bang obviously it's is a generally review. a spoiler yeah, show we okay. did a while where we did spoiler free but like if you do spoiler free for this movie there's really nothing to talk about sure yeah <laughs> like absolutely right. we would have no conversation so yeah this is gonna be a spoiler episode if you haven't seen crimes of grindelwald go ahead and do it it is a one so on our binary scale of one and zero it is a one like it may not be the best movie ever made you it's potter you have to see it like Harry Potter continues to, the, the whole Potterverse continues to be a force for good in the world. <laughs> Continue to support the franchise so that nothing crazy happens and we get the rest of this series and it doesn't get left off on 30,000 cliffhangers from this movie. Oh, that's definitely not going to happen. But um, <laughs> yeah, No, but I, I mean, it's definitely that. not doing as well as predicted. I agree that it is not, which is still surprising to me. But so, yeah, um, uh, let's, you want to like jump in and talk about anything specific? Yeah, I want to talk about the incredibly close-up shots at the Ministry of Magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, I, I just want to clear the air on that real quick. Okay, it's, so yeah, there's the opening scene where Grindelwald escapes, which I want to come back to, but let's talk about this other scene first. And then they cut to Newt in the Ministry of Magic, and he's like uh, chasing down Pickett, who dropped a button. And let me just say, whoever did the sound work for the button rolling on the carpet, A plus. Yeah, agree. <laughs> I don't know why I'm that wondering... was such a big deal, but they nailed it. Someone had like a week to work on that, I think. I'm really uh, wondering. I want to see the fully sound design behind it to see what they actually <laughs> used to get that sound. Yeah, it was noticeable. It was like noticeably good. Um, but then you cut to this weird conversation between Newt and Lita Lestrange, who is a new character in this movie. And you are like an inch away from their face and they are taking up the whole screen it's like why why and my initial thought was my initial thought was god i hope they don't do the whole movie like this which thankfully they didn't but yeah it was just that one it scene was, yeah like, it was it was the two of them and then i guess when theseus comes in he's sort of there too in that it's it's newt and Lita and theseus who in this opening scene for some reason they have decided to go with the extreme close-up um i don't know i i my initial thought was is this supposed to be like how the these characters in particular see each other or is this like how newt sees the world or is this just uh we needed to do reshoots and we took apart the set already so we had to get real close and make it weird it definitely um, could be that last part it definitely yeah. could be that last part but yeah. i think the way it's trying to be spun or at least the way people are spinning it is that yeah that's newt's perspective that's kind of what it's like inside newt's head mm -hmm. I, I guess and, but if they're gonna do that then why isn't it like that for the rest of the movie is the issue. i don't know because it's very hard to watch <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's very hard to enjoy. I even, I was sitting with Ethan and I was like putting my hand in front of my face, like, how far away is this? Can and I touch like, Eddie Redmayne right now? Is he right? Right. Like, and there? there's, there's a reason they don't make movies from that perspective. <laughs> 
Yeah. Right. It's like they did that one. It was like Hardcore Henry or whatever, where it was all first person perspective. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it was like an action movie. Yeah, and it was like an action movie and it bombed because everybody was like, this is awful. I threw up eight times. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, the extreme close up. I mean, it's like a tool in the director's, you know, toolkit, but it's typically used to like really focus in on like a like a soul emotion that they really want to powerfully like convey to the audience. And that's just not what was happening in the scene. It was just like a regular conversation from an inch away. And right, you know, it just, the, it just felt out of place. The extreme close up is a Peter Jackson specialty. If you go back and watch the original Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> oh, okay. It turns they out do a lot of this. like epic staring into the distance in those movies. Right, and like like shots red. shots of Gan- or Gandalf. <laughs> Like from his eyeballs or his eyebrows to his like beard yeah i know all i was thinking was about how our dad used to be like if you're gonna take a picture of somebody make sure you can see the top of their like whatever it is you're framing make sure you can see the top and bottom of it in the photo right and that was that was immediately what i was thinking i was like you cut newt's head off man we're gonna have to redo the the christmas card (laughs) (laughs) all right Okay, so, um, um, yeah, I, well, I we think beat we that agree dead that horse, it was a yeah. weird choice. Uh, just want to clear the air on that real quick. Uh, so the other weird thing about this scene in particular were just, and I think it's one of these things that's hard to imagine when you're creating, like, a magical world and you're translating it from someone's mind onto screen, but, like, there's some weird magical inconsistencies happening in this scene that really bothered me, that, like, no, that, like drew me out of it for a second because it was like, did you think about that enough? So, for example, you see, first of all, there's no one else in the whole ministry apparently except these three people in the hallway uh but they have a lot of house elves in the movie and you can like see them cleaning windows that are like 20 feet off the ground and they're they floated the chair up and they're sitting in the chair while it's floating and then from the floating chair they are magically wiping a cloth like another three feet up And, (laughs) and i'm like why aren't why don't you just float the chair the extra three feet or else if you can move the cloth without touching it why are you in the chair at all why aren't you just on the ground doing this like i will say yeah there was there's a lot of george lucas prequel moments where it was like you've got a lot of unnecessary magic going on in the background of this movie mm-hmm. where it was like you know they're like it's just magic for the sake of having it there. That, that's you know? sort of what it felt like. It's like, we need, we should add some magic stuff in the background. And it's like, it is the ministry, so maybe you should have some magic stuff. But uh, I can, right. like, the magic stuff that you hear about in the books is like, you know, paper airplane leaflet memos going from office to office or... Well, and they maybe. did have the... They did have the memos being delivered by birds, which I thought was a nice consistency. Because in book five, when Arthur takes Harry to the ministry, he talks about how they used to use owls and that's birds, true. but there yep. was way too many droppings, and that's why they switched to memos. And that was presumably during Arthur's time at the ministry, so that was a recent development. I guess so. That's true. That's true. So that was a nice piece of consistency I did notice. Okay, okay. I'll give you that. I like the statue in the uh, the uh, that they describe in the books a lot, that they have uh, the fountain, I guess, in the ministry. That like, oh, yeah. let you know where you were. That was nice. Um, yeah. But let's, let's back up a second to the opening opening scene because this is the most like the weirdest magically inconsistent round of things in the whole movie and i was just like what's happening here um so the opening of the movie is when grindelwald escapes right and yeah let me ask you guys if you like understood how it happened or not no so he like 
He's gifted in transfiguration to the point where he can, without Polyjuice Potion, become someone else, right? Is that what I'm to understand? Well, to an No, I thought it was Polyjuice. No, in the first one, it's transfiguration. Is it? It is, to get to Percival Graves. Um, I mean, I guess there's... They look similar enough. Yeah, but I guess, I guess he's convincingly somebody else. Correct. But so what, what, what's your assumption that happened, though? Like, when does the switch between him and Abernathy take place? Oh, that I have no yeah, idea. me neither. Me neither. No, yeah, that, how that long has Abernathy I was like, this been? Is a, this is a loud, rambunctious set piece, and I appreciate you putting this in here. Um, and I thought it was so funny every time Johnny Depp would appear in a window. Oh, that was, was hilarious. Like, <laughs> He's just like, hey. It was like he would just, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, he would just like slide in or whatever. Yeah, that was really funny. I liked it. It's so weird that you could consider that like a weird talent of acting. Like he just sort of like pops in and is just like, hey guys, what's up? I've got a jar of dirt. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> there's a very, there's another very Johnny or uh, uh, Jack Sparrow moment. Jack Sparrow. There's, there's one moment where he literally does the like, whoa, who? <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, so I'm trying to figure, I've seen it twice and both times, the second time I was really trying to focus, like, when does the switch happen? Because what happens is they, um, you see Abernathy staring in at Grindelwald and Madame Pickery, the president says, we had to remove his tongue because he was so persuasive. And you're like, okay. And then they take off in the Thestrals and you see Abernathy, apparently with the Elder Wand standing on the edge. And he apparates to under the carriage, and then inside the carriage, Grindelwald transforms. They like they like both transform at the same time. And See, that's why I, I was think, that's why I was thinking Polyjuice is because they would wear off at the same time. I, mm, that's an interesting thought. Like if they Polyjuiced into each other, right? But see, the problem is when Grindelwald later comes into the cabin, he like waves his wand and gives Abernathy a tongue back, and it's like, is that what's going so on there? The, I thought he was giving him a little snake. No, tongue. that very first scene, you can see Grindelwald removing Abernathy's tongue. When? That, like the, it's the first. I noticed something weird happened <laughs> because it's the first thing that happens like in the movie. I think. I, I have, mean, you I've, see I've him seen it staring once. in. I don't know. If that's true, that and there's sort a weird like when when you see him staring in the window, there's this weird little flash. But like, what? I don't understand why they have to take his tongue out. Like, what's the point of that? All I know is, I mean, just to sort of off topic this real quick. I know that going into this, I wanted Johnny Depp not to be Jack Sparrow. Like that was my priority, and I think actually he nailed it. But talking about the removal of a tongue immediately took me back to Pirates of the Caribbean oh, we lost you. and talking about Mr. Cotton. Oh, you lost me? Yeah, so so yeah, again. talking about the removal is the last thing we heard. Okay, so talking about the removal of the tongue took me right back to Pirates of the Caribbean when you're talking to Mr. Cotton and, you know, he's like, oh, he's a mute, sir. He had his tongue removed. They're training the bird to speak for him. And then that's immediately what it took me to. And I just didn't want to think about Pirates of the Caribbean during this movie. Because that's, you know, that's what Johnny Depp is, is, is Jack Sparrow. But I thought it, throughout the film, he did redeem himself and uh, yeah. was, was not so, Jay, Jack Sparrow. So, Jay, how do you feel about of Johnny Depp as Grindelwald? Um, so, when I first heard the casting, I was just like, why? Because, well, when I first heard it, I just felt like, I don't, I don't know. Like, you didn't need Johnny Depp for this role. Like, I don't, right. I don't, it just seemed weird. Like, because he's Australian, right? Is that, is he British even? I think he's American. Yeah, I have no idea where Jack. I, I don't from. know. Yeah, I don't know what is Johnny he, Depp I, sounds like. He's American. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. I, have, I have no idea what he sounds like because he has a different voice in every movie. But very yeah. true. But so like, I, I know it was a big point for J.K. Rowling that all of the characters in uh, the original Harry Potter series be like from England or like from like Europe at least, I guess. And like Johnny Depp's not, and so it just seemed like a weird choice there. That being said, having seen the movie. 
I do think he did a very good job. I thought it was like, well done. He's very charismatic. Um, very, like I didn't, I wasn't like staring at him the whole time. Like, oh, that's Johnny Depp, you know? Like I was able to like believe it was Grindelwald. Right, for sure. I would agree with that. And and I think it's so interesting because a lot of people were saying in the run up to this movie, like if this movie sucks, it's going to be Johnny Depp's fault. <laughs> And, like, a lot of people thought this movie sucked, and a lot of people loved it, but there were definitely people who thought this movie sucked, but it's not Johnny Depp's fault at all. No, I think like, he did a pretty good job. I thought he did a really... I could have watched two hours of him making that speech. Yeah, yeah. I thought that speech was awesome. Very compelling. Very Anytime cool. he was on screen as Grindelwald, I was like, okay, this is a good scene. Yeah. It, it is kind of <laughs> tough to watch because I know, maybe maybe I'm a terrible person for this, but, like, you watch Grindelwald's speech, and it's it's almost like he's not wrong. It's like... Why would the magical community, were it not fiction, not run the show? That is how you're supposed to feel. That is the whole point of Grindelwald. Like, that's what they're getting at. Well, so it's interesting because the way J.K. Rowling lets people get away with this is, like, is by always having the ministry just be morons. So it's like, the ministry is already wrong. So, like, there needs to be a solution. And this guy is offering a solution, but he's also wrong. You know, like, everyone, like, it seems like one of the big points for the ministry is this whole, like, muggle, wizard, complete separation-ness, which is causing a lot of strife. Like, that's, you know, obviously the huge Queenie Jacob plotline. And then, uh, I guess there's just sort of like some anti-government uh, beliefs floating around through the wizarding community where, you know, Dumbledore tells Theseus, if don't do anything if you go to a rally. Like, you're going to walk right into his trap. And right. sure enough, like, he's able to get someone to provoke someone at the ministry and they literally kill someone on the spot. And then he's like, ha, see? Everyone, leave, scatter, tell everyone what just happened. They're awful. And it's just like, that was very effective. Um, he also has his little skull bong thing there. And, you know, he, I mean, and he has like the World War II uh, imagery pop up and you're like, whoa, that is powerful stuff. Especially like in the wake of World War One, which, um, you know, he's like, look, see, this is what muggles are going to do to each other. This is what they're going to do to us if we don't get in control right now. And so it's like, that's, I mean, it's really powerful, especially if you just lived through another, like the first World War. So, I mean. I, right. He, he does he does a good job of it. And I definitely saw that coming, like, even from before these movies started, and just from the sheer fact that the Grindelwald defeat happened in 1945, I was like, there's got to be some kind of World War II connection here. Yeah, well, he's basically supposed to be written, um, I think he's been described by even J.K. Rowling as basically, like, wizard Hitler. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who, again, was, uh, you know, in his own right, uh, an extremely effective orator. Yeah, and, and that was a situation where, like, the German government was wrong, and he had a solution. Also wrong, <laughs> and that's way worse. Way that's, <laughs> a, that's the difference between Grindelwald and and Voldemort. It's like Voldemort is pure evil, right? He, no motivation other than that he's just evil. He's right. like the seductive power of the dark side. He's Darth Vader, like. right? Yeah, and and, and here we have Sheev Palpatine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we He's have got a grand who, plan. I have the <laughs> like, I don't think under any circumstances Voldemort thinks that he's the good guy. But, like, Grindelwald thinks that he's the good guy. Yeah. yeah he doesn't kill the baby. Well, he lets it happen. Well, he <laughs> he's has pretty somebody okay else with it. it. They walk in and Hitler. just murder everyone in that house. I mean, yeah. And, and that's he also, why like, he's more effective. A lot of the people. Oh, oh, the other. Sorry, I just thought of the other really Johnny Depp thing. Or the very um, Jack Sparrow thing is when he uh, saves the guy at the beginning from, like, kill, like dying on impact with the water i was kind of like why did he do that but then like the immediate 
immediate thought that came to my mind was from Jack Sparrow, where he's like, well, if there's no survivors, where do the stories come from? Right, you right. Know, it's like, yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, th- that dude's got to go back to the ministry and be like, Grindelwald, let me live. Right. Another key difference between Voldemort, where Voldemort is like, I do not want anyone to know I'm back. When Grindelwald is like, sound of the horn, I have escaped these morons. They can't hold me. I'm so powerful and awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to drape Paris in black sheets. Yes. Yeah. That that scene is another one where I feel like it is not clear what... It's like, there's this big statute of secrecy thing, and then you see these black sheets, and you're like, can the muggles just not see them? But that is the case. They can't see them. But I don't think they demonstrate that very well. That like, was the point me, where like, I lost the movie. Yeah. Like, that was definitely the point. I think I need to see it again and just focus on what's going on because that was the point where I was like, okay, everything from here on out is like a plot point, but none of these things connect. Because mm-hmm. then they just... Yeah, I definitely had no idea what was going on at that point. They act like it's not happening it was... and they go to the ministry and then they're like, we're just going to walk right into Lestrange's vault. This isn't going to be weird at all. No chance. Yeah, yeah, there's some odd things. So uh, I, it, it was a little bit cleared up to me. I've got the uh, Crimes of Grindelwald screenplay here, and I was reading through it yesterday some, and it, it describes in much greater detail what's happening. It's like giant black cloths that are shown to be invisible to the muggles drape over Paris. Wizards are seen looking up, gasping, while muggles walk past them unaware. And then, like, they do a bad job of it in the movie. Apparently what's supposed to happen is if you're a wizard, if you touch the cloth, it'll show you where to go. Whereas, like, Queenie sort of, like, walks up and there's all already a raven there and so then she touches it and it moves but like it's it was written that she was supposed to touch it and that's supposed to make it appear so you're supposed to, oh that's how everyone knows where to go is by touching it but um that wasn't clear in the movie i didn't think there's like just bad like uh, storytelling visual yeah, that, storytelling yeah that was my whole thing is like that's where it kind of just started being about the details and like the whole thing where they they did the family tree and then jacob opens that door and newt's just like it's all been a trap like what does that even mean oh my gosh thank you for bringing that line up Imper- yeah so Yeah, they come in, they walk into the big amphitheater at the end, ready for the rally. And like Tina says, it's a trap. And Newt confirms, he's like, the tree, yeah, the tree, Tina, or the tree, Queenie, it's all been bait. And it's like, what do you mean? How do, like at that point they don't even know Queenie is there, right? You know, like that, like bait for who? Like credence? Yeah, that's Tina? that's my thing. It's like nothing <coughs> that nothing that happens from there on out really makes sense. Yeah, it's like it's all just, of the individual scenes work, but they don't work together. Is a it's just it's a it's a just kind of a lack of storytelling and more of like a just a plot detailing. Like yeah, it's it's like it's like there's one. I feel like there's a a very key scene that's missing because now I'm and I'm sorry I'm referencing a lot of books but I feel like it's almost been necessary to try to understand it I've got a different book here called the archive of magic the film wizardry of the crimes of Grindelwald and in there it outlines it talks about a scene where Grindelwald is talking to his followers and outlines his plan to kidnap Queenie and kill somebody else and you know there's like there's like a three-part plan and it's like now wait a minute that scene just I don't remember there. that scene yeah. and it was like I feel like there's a scene yeah, missing where Queenie is revealed to Newt and Tina, and then also Grindelwald tells uh, his his people what's up, and like they just left that out, and it's just confusing now. So I'm hoping maybe there's like a you know Lord of the Rings extended version of this movie that we're gonna get or something, <laughs> but. God, I hope it would improve it. Yeah, I feel. I don't like... want to sit through a longer version of this. That's not any better. <laughs> it would definitely improve it. I mean, I would think you'd yeah. think in the in yeah. those regards. But. 
Well, I will say just as a, um, was that the Titanic? Yes. What? Yeah, the, the, ship. the ship they were on. That's got to be the Titanic. Oh. Because Credence. And what, where is Lita Lestrange going? Doesn't she have Hogwarts next year? <coughs> um, she's going to she's going America, to America. With, with, yeah. the elf. with the elf. But I guess she, that's an interesting question that she is going to America, but then they survive. And so she just comes back to England. <laughs> like And goes to Hogwarts. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of questions like that I have around Lita Lestrange because like obviously she's supposed to have died at the end, right? Yes, that's my so- interpretation. How does Rodolphus get bored? Oh, there, I mean, there's other Lestranges. Um, if you see the tree, so you Are have there? the Corvus line off to the right, and then there's like the Cyril line off to the left. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, it looked yeah, like yeah. that just ended, and I was like, we have a whole Lestrange family that like just isn't there. Yeah, so basically you uh, you would have Corvus 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, and then, so Corvus the first then had a brother... Cyril Lestrange, and he also had a line of like Cyril one, two, three, four, and five as well gotcha. on the other side. Gotcha. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So one of them would have to be Le- or Le- uh, uh, Rodolphus's father. Yes. Yeah. Prop. Pretty much. Pretty much. Okay. That's where we're at. So another um, a kind of the Titanic sank in 1912, by the way. So that can't be the ship. Uh, sure it can. No, it can't. How old? Oh is wait, because it's back in time. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that was that was how old is Credence? Could be like 16, right? Credence is 20. He's born in 19. Um, no, no, you're right. This still can't work because Credence was 1904. Was he? he was okay. Born. Yeah. Okay. So wait, so Credence they, is no, because Credence can't be 23. Why not? Because he was like a child living with the Second Salemers. That's fine. He can be there for like 20 years. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, well, I feel like what what Rowling is doing here because there's a few points, and just to sort of go in a different direction, there's a few points that break the original canon that I think are actually forgivable. Like, I I really don't think it's a huge problem because it's just... The big one that people keep talking about is McGonagall. Mm, no, nah, we got that one figured out. Don't you worry about that. Do you? It's going to be a video. Is that a, is that a future video? Soon. Yeah, it's a future, but we can talk about it anyway. We can talk about why it absolutely doesn't make sense. And then, um, yeah. Well, it, it doesn't have to make sense because the way I see it is, I mean, there's there's a few explanations I'm looking at. You've got the Potter books, which to me are like, you know, the, the direct comparison would be like the Gospels, right? Like that's eternal truth for Harry Potter universe. Right. And then you've got Pottermore, which is like Paul's letters, you know, came after the original books, but it's not, it's not gospel, but it's New Testament. And then you've got um, the Fantastic Beast stories, which I think are supposed to lead into the Potter stories, but they don't, I don't think they have to do it perfectly. And I don't think Paul's letters have to be perfect. So Pottermore doesn't have to be perfect. And for people to believe it and for it to be believable. And what we're looking at here is a type of mythology, right it's explaining events grindelwald is going to have some major cause to world war ii so it's explaining events that happened in earth's history in a mystical and magical way in the same way that you know rome was founded by romulus and remus raised by wolves you know you've got the same sort of thing going on here where if you use characters and you pick and choose them and sort of place them in ways where they would sort of make sense i think you've still got something that works and you see a lot of this with like norse mythology where like there's no perfect timeline with norse mythology loki sometimes is a bad guy sometimes a good guy thor is sometimes a child and sometimes an adult you know like 
mythology doesn't have to work as long as it effectively tells a story to explain an event well right but this isn't mythology yeah i know what you i i get what you're i see what you're getting at but i i do think it will fit perfectly i mean i think jk rowling has this whole world in her head and she's putting it out there for you and it's not gonna it's not gonna work out incorrectly um especially with something like mcgonagall uh, wait so you, i can cut it out but what is how do you how do you fit this in there like well oh, no let's oh, okay so let's talk about mcgonagall so when we uh, visit Dumbledore at Hogwarts, which is all it's all the nostalgic feels when we go to Hogwarts, like, oh my god, we're back. That's so cool. And the great shot over the mountain. I love that. Um, we go inside and they're teaching Defense Against the Dark Arts and the Ministry comes in and Professor McGonagall shows up and he's like, oh, Professor McGonagall, take these children away or whatever. And so we see her there and then we also see her in the past uh, a little bit further when Newt and Lita are students. So we see her twice um, and pff, the question is, like when you see it, you're just excited. You're like, oh, McGonagall, yay! And it's just like a little bit of fan service. Like she didn't really make any impact or anything. That's cool. But then when you go back and start looking at some stuff, it totally doesn't make sense um that she should be there because really she shouldn't even be born yet right uh, yeah so in order of the phoenix she is interviewed by dolores umbridge and she asks her how long have you been working here and she says 39 years this december and which is weird who gets hired in december at a school but uh anyway uh if you do the math on that i think that happens in like 19 blank good good nice uh 1996 and this takes you back to like 1957 um if i'm just remembering the numbers off the top of my head uh and then you can go on pottermore and there's these ebooks you can download written by jk rowling and one of them is like heroism hardship and something 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 um and there's a whole like chapter it's like the history of some characters you didn't get the history of and one of them's mcgonagall and you learned that um, when she graduated from Hogwarts, she spent two years at the ministry and then she started working at Hogwarts. So that means she graduated in 1955, which means she was born 17 years earlier in like the 1930s, which is 10 years after the start of this movie. So it's like, obviously you're not even born yet. And then you also wanna like think, oh, well certainly it must just be her mother or like an aunt or something, but also neither of those things can be true at all. Um, her mother uh, was first of all, um, her name was Isabel Ross, and she never worked. She did go to Hogwarts, and she married a muggle reverend, um, Robert McGonagall, and she hid her magic from him all the way up until Minerva was born. Uh, and then Minerva started showing signs of magic, and she finally had to tell him, what's up? Why is our child acting so weird? But So she hid her magic, and they only lived on the reverend's salary for the entire time they were married. So she could, didn't have a job, first of all, so it can't be her. And uh, she wouldn't have the same last name, and she was hiding her magic. So, like, lose, lose, lose on that. And then the reverend was muggle-born, and, so, uh, and he didn't know about magic at all until his wife told him. And, like, so if it was, like, his... His sister or something then certainly he already would have known about magic so really can't be anyone except Minerva herself and if it is someone else and it's not her mother or an aunt or something then it's like then what was even the point why you use any other name and it doesn't matter so um basically it has to be her and yet she shouldn't be born yet and yet she's like 20 so or like looks like to be about mid-20s or so 
So our working theory uh, is that there is some sort of time turnerness at play, which no one likes to hear, but uh, McGonagall is the one who gets the time turner for Hermione. So like that could suggest she had some experience with it. Um, and there's also this intimate conversation she had with Dumbledore about um, when she found out like her, her true love from her hometown, who was also Muggleborn, got married to another woman because she turned him down. And this was right when she got hired at Hogwarts. And that is, I think, the moment when she decided to go back and help Dumbledore because of course Dumbledore's argument would be help me go fight Grindelwald in the past because uh he would make it so that stuff like that could never happen and you know I don't know that's man that was a lot of talking thank you for listening <laughs> that's but, the, the last part actually that, that's that's a pretty good thing you got going on there yeah the uh, other part is that she does eventually marry this guy named Elpheus Urquhart I think something like that and it like mentions that like he's a significantly older man which seems like weird for McGonagall but if she went back in time and like basically lived a section of her life twice then on paper Urquhart would be a significantly older man but like in real life they would actually pretty much be the same age kind of thing so there's that too uh, anyway that's sort of my explanation that I've been working on <laughs> so I mean the only other thing th there was another fan zero's moment in that that same scene where it was like McClagan's oh yeah McClagan. great grandfather why why not make that like a Weasley or a uh What's another name? Neville's grandmother or Man, something. Man, your guess is as good as mine. Why of all characters, they felt the need to have a McClagan Easter egg for like, the guy who has a why? crush on Hermione in the fifth book to make Ron jealous. Or sixth. Sixth, right. book, sixth. Sixth book, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was yeah, the, What a random one. That was the wild thing for me about the McGonagall thing is I had just listened to that part in Order of the Phoenix that day yeah. when she did the interview and was like, I've been teaching for 39 years. And then she showed up <laughs> in Crimes of Grindelwald, and I was like, hang on. Now, wait a minute. I've done some math numbers here. Yeah. I was I was immediately... And, and we got to watch that scene three times, because... Oh, oh uh, yeah, I heard you had trouble in the theater. Yeah, the, the movie kept breaking. So we watched oh, that scene gosh. three times. Wow. Cool, man. There was some bad reshoots for that particular scene. <laughs> I cannot explain to you how awkward that one cut is, when it goes from, like, Grindelwald and Dumbledore looking at each other in, like, the, the, the vision things, to just, like, hard cut to Dumbledore. Hmm. Okay, so I'm glad you bring up the, the Mirror of Erised well maybe you're not talking the two different moments but yeah. the the mirror of air well, has said was a was a red herring in the previews how so well he doesn't see grindelwald's head in the mirror of air said in the previews he does in the previews he doesn't in the movie yeah he sees them like make the blood pact and stuff yeah but in the preview it's just like a shot of his head well, I, th I think that was in the movie. No. no. Well, whatever. Not the point. Well, they're also not just going to give away the blood pact thing in the preview. Okay. They did that because so the they're lovers, is right? A weird thing. Well, definitely Dumbledore was in love with Grindelwald. I think it was mostly a one-way street. But I think Grindelwald absolutely knew this about Dumbledore and is just manipulating him. Like he's I thought that was why Grindelwald was fighting for what he wanted. It, the whole commentary is about... Like, you know, the political commentary behind it is reflective of the personal struggles between Grindelwald and Dumbledore, where it's like the nomads can't be with the wizards because, you know, the the gays can't be together or whatever the commentary was, um, which I thought was a weird direction for it to go. I don't think that was the commentary. But I don't know. I thought based on the little like, like the way that they were framed, the cinema, like as far as staging goes and, and mise-en-scene, like they're they're facing each other they're you know they're not focused on anything but the, the two of each other and i i figured that meant that they were they were lovers well i don't think they were lovers i think they were just like very close um but i i in my the way i think 
I very much think that Dumbledore was in love with Grindelwald, and Grindelwald was very much using that to his advantage over him. Um, but so the weird thing about the blood pact though is that you learn at the end of the movie that it is stopping Grindelwald or Dumbledore from fighting Grindelwald right is that your takeaway yes like we made yes, a blood that's why pact. he can't face Grindelwald right except here's the problem is that uh we know that after the three-way duel between Dumbledore and Grindelwald and Aberforth where Ariana died that Dumbledore doesn't see Grindelwald again until the duel of 1945 like the big one right and like so the question is when did they make this blood pact because certainly they didn't get together after that duel and be like let's make a blood pact together but if they made it before that duel, then they shouldn't have been able to fight that dul you know what i mean unless i mean unless dumbledore was fighting on grindelwald's side or that's, that's... or the blood pact had some effect on the magic dumbledore tried to use on grindelwald and that's what hurt ariana oh that's interesting. so that's okay so yeah ty i thought that too those are both cool explanations like i guess dumbledore maybe it's really more like aberforth and grindelwald are dueling and dumbledore is just like defense on both sides or something uh, yeah, or Dumbledore is just like, don't hurt my brother, and he tries to hurt Grindelwald, and the blood pact, blah, 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 blood pact does not allow him to hurt Grindelwald. Sure, that could be... Because that's mm -hmm. magic we know very little about. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. Blood pact, very mysterious. Very mysterious. All the same. same. But and, so, but and, now, and now Dumbledore has the blood pact, because apparently yeah. that's an object now. Right. <laughs> Which I thought was an interesting choice. Is like, and Newt's just like, can you destroy it? And he's like, I do not know. <laughs> He says maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, pacts and vows and promises all come in weird forms in Harry Potter. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh. I also want to talk about, uh, you know, we're talking about powers and, and unknown magic. Now, Jay, this was my interpretation of the reason Grindelwald didn't kill the baby. So I thought when he didn't do it, it was because... It was showing us that Grindelwald was smarter than Voldemort because Voldemort tried to kill the baby after a mother died protecting it, and that's what killed Voldemort. And I thought that was saying Grindelwald wouldn't make such a rudimentary mistake. Oh, that's That there's a chance that if he tried to kill the baby, it would backfire. That's interesting. That is interesting. I assume these people were muggles, so I don't think they could cast that kind of magic anyway. Um. Well, I, I mean... I don't know. I that that was my interpretation because killing a baby is such like a there was there was very clearly a parallel between Harry and Voldemort and Grindelwald and whoever this baby was. Uh, yeah. At least between Grindelwald and Voldemort, you know, like walk into a room and there's a baby after you just killed its family. Sure, sure, that is interesting. I guess the difference. I mean, it could be him just being cautious. The obvious difference is like so. It's like everyone, everyone's commentary about Lily Potter is just always like, "What are you telling me? No mother has ever died to save their baby before." And it's like, yeah, that doesn't totally add up. But the difference is that Lily didn't have to die. I think it's like she chooses to die for Harry. Like even though it won't matter. Right. Like they could have um, just handed over Harry. Right. Like like he Voldemort gives her the chance. He's like, "I don't need to kill you." He's like, just step aside, let me kill the baby. And she's like, no, absolutely not. And then she like, he's like, okay, dead. <laughs> now that was stupid because now you're dead. And also I'm still going to kill your baby. Except, pfft. so because she like chooses to die for him, it does, that's what causes the spell. Which, well, that, hmm? that and how many people are just going around Avada Kedavering babies? Like, that's true. How, well, many, I mean, how many wizard babies have been murdered that way? Like, really? That, very true. But I think the point is that this this kind of, like, love, this sort of spell isn't just unique to protecting babies. It should right. theoretically protect 
anyone who specifically died when they didn't need to to uh, save someone else. Which brings me to Lita Lestrange in this movie. Um, we already talked a little bit about how she died. Um, so the interesting thing is right before she dies she turns around newt and theseus are both standing there and she says i love you right and so first of all who do you guys think she's talking to newt i have no idea because i was not given a convincing reason that she loves theseus at all newt. In the entire <laughs> she's talking movie. about newt yeah I think, <laughs> she's I absolutely seems, talking about newt seems pretty obvious she's talking about newt but this is one scene in particular where i thought they did a really good job with the camera work where like they cut to newt he's staring down at lita they cut to her she's staring back at what you think is him she says i love you and then they cut back to theseus who's also staring directly at lita and you're like oh don't know who she was talking to and then she dies so my thought my question is like why even have her say this at all like there's got to be some ramification to this you know like it has to come back into play uh so my thought is that it's possible lita has now like sacrificed herself for either theseus or newt in the same way lily died for harry um Mm. now what that now obviously newt will never be like protected in the same way like from avada kedavra in the same way harry does because yeah, harry's the, yeah no one else has ever survived it but that doesn't mean it might not offer him some sort of protection from grindelwald in some similar way um i don't know what that is but that's that's another smaller theory i have about it that sh that like the sacrificial love spell has been cast <clears throat> man this movie's just not about newt is it uh <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot we, happening in this movie there's a we, lot we've talked about it for about you know 50 minutes now <laughs> like, yeah we haven't talked about Newt. we haven't talked about credence we haven't talked about Dumbledore very much okay we haven't even said the word nagini yeah oh my oh my gosh uh, what a disappointment nagini it feels like having seen the movie now and having seen what they did with the marketing it just feels like they included nagini for the marketing right like she yeah, does nothing absolutely. she is meaningless in this movie like they set her up maybe she'll be a much bigger deal later on we know eventually she's a huge deal but man what a letdown like of the biggest sorts but the same with nicholas flamel it was like what was the point of you dude like even you right. showing up at that battle at the end form a perimeter like what did you think they couldn't have figured that out uh yeah, I don't... I thought Nicholas Flamel was kind of boring. He has his little magic book where he talks to somebody who um, I have now learned is a professor at Ilvermorny. <clears throat> but that's not obvious when you watch it. That's another thing I had to, like, go look up in the screenplay. Wait, who is this? It's like when Nicholas Flamel is oh. in his little... And is in his house, yeah. um, he opens some book and, like, talks to a portrait of a woman and... Oh, yeah, he opens it up and I was like, oh, I don't know who that yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. I'm a bad Potter fan. <laughs> right, no, no one knows who it was. You can't read the name clearly and even if you could make out all the words wouldn't help. She's just a professor at Ilvermorny. And basically earlier when Travers was talking to Dumbledore, he's like, we know you've been sending up contacts all over the world or whatever. Um, this is supposed to be, I think, another one of those contacts. Like her, Nicholas, and newt and you know just another one of those but it's it's so not obvious it's not clear at all <clears throat> there were numerous times during this movie where i asked who is that right like the guy um and i don't even know if this ever ended up being addressed or if i'm just dumb but like the guy that walks in when newt's meeting with the ministry and it's just like i guess i've got the job then oh yeah grimson who is that guy <laughs> yeah right again that's a great question you're like he's just like you can tell newt doesn't like him newt doesn't like him they have some kind of history they have some sort of beef, yeah, and you don't know he's why. He's a loose though. cannon orer who's got a. He's got. <laughs> he's apparently a, uh, a a beast hunter. 
essentially, and that's why Newt doesn't like him. But again, right. not clear. Um, well, and that's, and it's that's like, like three characters in 30 seconds that we've been improperly introduced to. Right, exactly. And it's like Newt, they like offer the job to Newt, and this guy's like, I guess I have the job. And you're like, these were your own, like, why? Just because that one guy that they wanted to get the job said no, why are you the next option? Because they obviously don't want you to do it either. Like, Right. Come you know, on. Basically, what happens to me when that happens is that I just get an email that says, I'm sorry, we decided not to fill the position. Yeah. You know? Like, also, <laughs> and he's just, like, allowed to sit in on Newt's interview at the same time, too. It's like, right. what did you do? What? I don't... Okay. And then he's not... And it's like, he acts like he takes accepts the job for the ministry, but then it's later revealed that he's working for Grindelwald. So it's like, why did you need to get the job from the ministry couldn't you have just done this on grindelwald's orders anyway because all he does is then deliver that note to credence for him to break out of the circus and go to the bird market and then he like kills the elf woman and that's pretty much it but also he forms the most protective barrier i've ever seen which yeah he also well, that's another character i don't know who the elf woman is she was um corvus like lita's father's servant yeah um she was the woman that had Credence adopted. I guess. She was the person on Credence's adoption papers. That one was pretty clearly laid out. Yeah, yeah. That explained to her. Why does she need to be an elf? She doesn't. She just I is. Think, I think the reason they made her an elf was so that when She's they half pulled elf. back the curtain to... Yeah. I think the reason they did that, though, is so that when they pulled back the curtain, you would immediately know... This is not who Credence was looking for. Like, she's the right, she's the right, she's the owner of the name of the person he's looking for. But, but she's not the mother. isn't his mother. Yeah. I think that's what you're supposed to take away from that. Um, which, again, is more like a, we decided this character's half-elf specifically so that reveal will work the way we want it to. Um, yeah. Uh, so another, Tyler, you said you didn't like the Queenie plot that she switched sides? I just wasn't satisfied by it. I just felt like, like Queenie was such. An I actually really did like the that. first one. And I yeah, I liked like it. I was, I was pretty, felt pretty bold on my part. I was like, sorry, yeah, Ty. I, I think you that. broke up there, and we just talked over you. No, you oh. didn't. I stopped. Talking. Oh, okay. Um, but I don't, I don't know. It just felt like it was a little bit forced. To like, I get why. Like, she was obviously blinded by love, and she was, you know, willing to go to immense lengths to to blind Kowalski with that as well. And you know, she's got that. So what's it called? A legilimens? yeah. Yeah, where, you know, that's kind of like a... It's like parcel tongue, you know, it kind of lends itself to the dark arts. Like, you know, Voldemort was, was one, and uh, I think... I guess that's what we're supposed to think old boy Grindelwald is, because him and Mordecai, or whatever the dude's name is, have their little unspoken conversation in that first scene. Abernathy? Abernathy. <laughs> Mordecai. Mordecai. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Near, that's another near Johnny miss. Depp role, right? That is another Johnny Depp role, yes. Yeah. Uh, Abernathy. I don't I don't know who that guy is either, as long as we're talking about characters oh. I, I can't identify. Abernathy was actually in the first movie. Yeah. Um, he's the one who, like, Queenie walks up to and, like, reads his mind and is like, oh, he's having an affair with that woman or something. And, like, she's like, let me let me confund this nomad, please. And then she, like, blackmails him by being all pretty and cute and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I liked the Queenie storyline. I get it. Like, she is all she cares about is Jacob like she's in love with Jacob right. she wants to find a way to be married to Jacob and Grindelwald is offering 
an option for that. Right. Yeah, but that wasn't interesting when Anakin Skywalker did it, and it's not interesting when Queenie does it. Uh, I think that's not. I think a it is interesting when comparison. Queenie does it because Queenie's not the chosen one in the same way Anakin was. Like when Queenie does it, it like to me like it speaks more to Grindelwald's character than to her character. I think it's like like in the first movie, Queenie is like the most pleasant, nicest, prissy, like you know, cutesy girl ever, and here she is one movie later, like joining the dark side like because that like it's supposed to represent to me how persuasive and charismatic grindelwald's message is like even queenie can be seduced by it was sort of my thought right it would be like if padme was seduced by the dark side sure right right our new empire all right let's go okay let's do (laughs) it this is great i love it yeah (laughs) your new empire (laughs) oh man um, and then Ty, you said you didn't like the Newt and Tina relationship. This is I just felt like I just felt like no, I, I I'm listen. I I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Ship Newt and Tina uh, toot as they're called. Team toot a toot. I ship toot. But, I uh, thought it was New Tina. It's toot toot. It's okay. toot. I like that a lot I'm, better. I'm anyway. game. I just felt like at the end of the first one, and maybe I'm just misremembering it. I felt like at the end of the first one, it wasn't setting us up for the state that uh, Newt is in at the beginning of this one, where he's like, I think of salamanders when I'm with her, and I my whole brain goes to mush. And then like the rest of the movie is about Newt's other relevant love life. I don't know. It just it seemed a little forced. I didn't, I didn't hate the Toot thing, but I also kind of felt like you could have made this entire movie without Tina being in it, and it would not have changed anything. Mm, that's interesting. That's yeah, it could have just, it could have easily been like Newt hunting down an interesting animal in Paris instead of Tina, that, <laughs> right? And that that Dumbledore told him was with this other guy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That is an interesting thought. My for one, I the only thing I didn't really like about. Um, Tina and or the whole Newt Tina relationship in this movie is that like they set you up in the first movie like oh they're so cute and awkward together like oh I love it I can relate so hard and then you cut to this movie and you sort of like you have to pick up these throwaway lines that like they met under their breath like that they've been exchanging letters for a long time and stuff like that and then all of a sudden it's like it seems like forced like plot inconvenience that oh there just happened to like if it weren't for this one news story getting a misprint there would be no problem at all and it's just like none of the characters had any control over that it's just happened and now like all of the work they've done has been undone off screen and so now like newt's just trying to repair this the whole movie um which is annoying to me because it's just like this this one little tiny mishap is just causing all these problems i don't know i know elsa just tell your sister you have ice exactly it's just like just (laughs) like maybe send him a postcard like oh thought we were kind of funny yeah like newt yeah maybe like uh, uh, right, she to listens in. to a tabloid like it gets yeah, mad about yeah. it but that's that's the thing about the wizarding world is that they are and this is true throughout the seven potter books is that they are like consistently unbelievably misinformed by the wizard media right this is that's a, it's a huge theme in there like jk rule like obviously has a lot to say about uh news media well that's the problem is like right. their single source media is like they only listen to the prophet it's not like right, they, they have, have one newspaper they have no the prophet and CNN. It's like they just have the prophet. Yeah, and the prophet <laughs> listens to the ministry, and it's like, okay, the prophet. That's not how news works. That's yeah, I a think very she's, dangerous she's situation. Riffing on the read. BBC. The head of yeah. the prophet goes in there every day, and it's just like, how can we be corrupt today? Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Rita. 
<laughs> it's basically what it's like. But let me just say that my favorite scene in the whole movie is hands down the salamander scene where Newt is just like, I'm not supposed to say. <laughs> and he's like struggling so hard not to say the word salamander. Yeah, because Jacob's just uh, like, don't say salamander. She can't talk about salamander. He's just like, he's like, oh my God, I love it. I think Eddie Redmayne and Catherine Waterston are amazing on screen together is my takeaway. Yeah, they do have wonderful chemistry. There's no doubt about that. And then like, what I love about Tina's character is that she has so obviously read Fantastic Beasts and like Newt's book like a lot like she has like memorized the book essentially like you know he's describing what these eyes look like and it's like you know he's thinking Salamander because of what he told Jacob but like you don't like the only way Tina knows what he's talking about is if she's read the book and she obviously has and then she also does like the thing with the Zoo later to get it back in the case and it's just like she's read the book she loves oh it's because she loves him it's like oh I love she loves him I don't know I'm, I'm a big fan of Newt and Tina I think they're very fun. And that's and that's definitely the thing is like this movie was great when they let Grindelwald be Grindelwald and this movie is also great when they let Newt be Newt but there wasn't a whole lot of letting Newt be Newt. Man, that is very well yeah, put. He has a yes. he has a caretaker. Like like Newt in, in the Newt lines even like when he has his his Newtisms like when they're like why do you want to travel abroad? And he's like because <laughs> I want to travel abroad. Yeah, it's like because I enjoy traveling internationally. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. His opening scene where they're they're like, "You destroyed half of New York." He's like, "That's actually falsehood." Multiple accounts. <laughs> yeah, and, and they, See, he just doesn't all, blah, blah. he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand how the government works. He doesn't he doesn't want anything to do with the government. He just wants people to leave him alone. Yeah, he doesn't want to take sides. Take care of my animals, yo. Right. He wants to write a book about animals. Like, that's it. I will say this movie was lacking both in the beasts and crimes department. Yeah, so for a movie called The Crimes of Grindelwald, it's like... (laughs) Yeah, he jaywalked. He he exercised free speech. Yeah, he escaped from prison. Okay, that's one. And then he, like, sends his little acolytes to kill the people in the house. Not great, but... Um, technically not technically his crime. Not him. Uh, it's, it's it's again. It's like it's right. like they're he escaped from the prison scene. in America, and like clearly America doesn't have you know extradition oh. to France because they can't do anything. Me, like even the orders are like we can't just go after him. Speaking isn't just, a crime. Let's revisit that opening scene again one more time because I didn't get to bring this up, and I think it's so stupid. Why? What? Okay. What is the plan if Grindelwald doesn't escape? If everything just goes the way they want it to? It's like, hey, it's a thunderstormy night. This seems like a good night. Like, why is this that? Why are you doing it in these conditions? at all you know why aren't you just waiting until a like a sunny day right. <laughs> and like they're taking nobody him, can see thestrals they're taking him <laughs> to france like i'm sorry so let me i'm sorry is the plan you're gonna ride in that carriage from new york to london like the thestrals are gonna go from across the atlantic ocean with the four guys the four guys on the broomsticks behind you also gonna follow you across the atlantic ocean is this the plan like this was doomed. Of course this failed. Like, what is, like they're, they're, Why didn't you just throw a port key at him? Yeah, exactly. Where is there a port key? They even use that later to go to different countries. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah, but they can't take a port key across the Atlantic Ocean. Why not? Because they can't. It's too far. You don't know that. That's the point of port keys. That they go further than apparition. Right, but not that far. I don't know that we know that. Yes, they do. Because everybody was coming in internationally for the Quidditch World Cup. Exactly. Oh, well played. Point Tyler. Uh, you might be right there. But they talk about, they talk about Dumbledore having to fly the Thesh 
Kestrels when he takes long journeys. Because Dumbledore doesn't like to apparate. He's a professional Quidditch player. <laughs> That's right. right. And he flies a Thestral, <laughs> not a broom, when he goes abroad. We'll, we'll see about that. I want professional Quidditch. Thank you for bringing this up. I want, like, Newt and Jacob go to a Hollyhead Harpies game. Oh, that'd be great. If we I go want to a Quidditch five game. minutes of professional Quidditch out of this series. <laughs> yeah. Where's my Quidditch World Cup? Come on now. I'm not even worried about the World Cup. It doesn't have to be a World club Cup, game. It can be a club game. I don't care. I just want some professional Here's Quidditch. the truth about the Quidditch World Cup is that if you were going to cut out, if you were going to leave in the Quidditch World Cup and then cut out the things you did later on in that movie, you would have made a criminal film. And you would have made a very long film. Look, if you'd included the I Quidditch take, World Cup, I would take five you would have at least minutes. had a few entertaining minutes. <laughs> You didn't like four? No, I didn't like four. Ugh. I'll tell Which you. This is a bummer because it's like my, it's like one of my favorite of the books. I'll tell Ugh. you. I, I spent a long time hating on movie six. And there's a lot Did wrong you? with movie six, but there's also, it's a pretty good movie. Oh, like the fourth one. It's just like the things they change. I just, and the whole like, it's like, oh my God. <laughs> and it's like, why is Durmstrang all dudes and Bobaton all girls? It's like, that's not... That's not... There's no men in France, Jay. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Apparently. It's just, oh, it makes me hurt. Right. Also, the Triwizard Cup is just the world's worst spectator sport ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the dragon one was cool. The second also, part takes place the... under a lake. The third also, part takes place no... in a maze. Yeah. yeah. Also, the dragon scene. First of all, you could have showed us the other contestants fighting the dragons. That would have been awesome. Second of all, Harry fights the dragon in the arena. They don't have to have this weird, like, CGI dragon fight on the castle. Jay, how are you going to make a roller coaster if they don't do that? You could still just make a roller coaster. But that's, that's <laughs> the thing, though. It's like you can't show the other contestants fighting because the movies try their best to stick to the book's perspective, which is the third-person limited perspective perspective of Harry and he doesn't uh, see the other people fight I know he doesn't but uh, that uh, like if you're gonna add I'm on board in stuff that I, I get what wanted. you're saying I get what you're yeah. saying and then they take out all of the obstacles in the maze and just have like wavy hedges oh I hate the hedges so much I like where's my sphinx where's my golden mist where's Where my blasted blast scroots my God. Ugh. I just wanted an on-screen representation of a blast and it's screwed. I wanted to oh. confirm what it looks like in my head. It's like a giant scorpion, basically, right? Yeah, like, a, like, yeah. like shrimp scorpion mix. Yeah, but like elephant-sized. I always imagine it to be vaguely shrimp-colored, even though it says, uh, like, even though it says they're gray, I always yeah. imagine in my head, like, a cooked shrimp color. <laughs> I, yeah, whatever. I, I, just I pictured them to... animated. They're like a cartoon. You keep saying things like that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so frustrating. Oh, um, but no, like that's what was great about Fantastic Beast One, and we talked about this with Tessa. Is adult magic watching yes. people who know how to do magic do magic i want to yes. see adult quidditch yeah. five minutes i will five you, minutes that's the problem with fantastic beasts too is adult magic is that newt is the only one that says the names of the spells and he mumbles them so i'm like it's probably amish I'm like, what what speak up eddie and then everybody else is just casting spells without saying anything all i know is that the green light means that people are doing things they shouldn't be doing and I, I can't figure out what's going yeah, on. When is it, a Vada you know, a nonverbal spell? Yeah, like when? Because if I recall correctly, Voldemort had to be like. <laughs> you were correct about that. Yeah, my assumption was that we just couldn't hear because they do. They kind of do it like through walls most of the time. Well, yeah, but then there was the girl at the end that got killed, like right in front of us. Yeah, does he not say anything for that? 
I don't think so. Okay, uh, maybe not. But Grindelwald only speaks to persuade. Pretty much. Grindelwald doesn't do his own magic because he's the leader, and he doesn't need to do his own magic. He does the fire. That's pretty good. Right, but like, he doesn't need to. He doesn't need to murder people himself. Like he doesn't have to kill the baby. He has people for that. Yeah, I mean, I guess he kills a lot of people with the fire. He's the a more effective leader than Voldemort for that reason. Like that he's is definitely more. Oh, he's a better effective. villain. That he's is Voldemort's been... downfall multiple times. Like Grindelwald convinces France to go with him. Voldemort couldn't take over a high school right yeah although he did have a lot of followers anyway for sure for sure um but they were followers motivated by pure evil which is never going to be as good as followers motivated by their own like ambitions right by love love. um okay Voldemort's followers were were through fear (laughs) very true doesn't work out for most of them Especially when you only pull from one Hogwarts house. Yeah. All Slytherin. Well, and Pettigrew. And Quirrell. Uh, yeah. Wait, what was Quirrell? Ravenclaw. Was he Ravenclaw? Okay. Could yeah. never remember. Yeah. He wasn't exactly like a follower, though. He was possessed. Uh, he was like, how was he not a follower? Master, you are not strong he enough. Him put him on the back of his head. He was pretty, he was like all in, literally. Uh, he could have been like, yeah, Voldemort, you get left butt cheek. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think that's That's vaguely head shirt. <laughs> I've been eating lots of garlic. <laughs> oh man. Um, so I feel like the final thing we have to talk about is the uh, the ending of uh, Aurelius Dumbledore. I don't get it. Oh yeah, no one gets it. Nobody gets it. Um, like to me that, but that didn't leave me like, oh my god, I can't wait until so, some really interesting explanation. Does this comes mean? Out. I'm like, I'm no. I'm so <laughs> do you think he's actually a Dumbledore, or do you think that Grindelwald is just doing some complicated stuff to make him think he's a Dumbledore so he can manipulate him? Like, is is Ariana Dum- not Ariana? Is uh, Kendra Dumbledore like really that terrible that she raised? T- who obscurises? Um, so I don't. Kendra Dumbledore is dead for sure. Basically, there's a few theories floating around that either uh, Ariana, like when Dumbledore thought she died, maybe she actually survived in the same way Credence sort of survived at the end of the first one. Like, oh, we thought he was dead, but actually he just like. So you do know. you think that he's Ariana? <laughs> oh yeah, that's the other one. Is that maybe the the obscurus? Like, so it's like her obscurus, but now it's in this body. So it's like. In a sense, it is her, which makes him Dumbledore's brother, but it isn't her, so... But it's not really his brother, because it's just the Obscurus, so that's why he never mentions it later or something. Because the weird thing is, like, Dumbledore never mentions this to Harry, or it never comes up ever again. So either he never learns about it, or he there's, like, some, like, you know, memory charm, something happening to Dumbledore himself to, like, make him forget this, which, it, like, that seems stupid. Uh, I would believe that seems... Dumbledore put it on himself. <clears throat> Maybe. A memory too tough to live with that he modified the mem- his own memory of the whole Grindelwald fiasco. Uh, but see, he remembers the whole Grindelwald fiasco. He'd just be erasing Credence. That's what I'm saying. You know? It's just not, not erase the whole fiasco, but, like, modify the fiasco in his memory. Well, now, hold on. The, we we get Dumbledore's history from Doge, not Dumbledore, his childhood. So you know he could be he could know this history without sharing it with the world. That's fair. But he talks to Harry about it in King's Cross, right? But when has he ever shared the full story with Harry on anything? Yeah, but he talk, they talked to Aberforth about it, and they talk, I mean I don't know, you know it's oh the man who had fun with goats exactly maybe 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 uh, Credence was a goat probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so 
the man who runs with Good goats. Good lord. <laughs> uh, th- there is some thought that maybe Aberforth could be the father, uh, but that wouldn't... The, the problem is that Grindelwald uses the word brother, and that's like... He calls like all sort of magical followers brother, though. You know, it's like, oh, brothers and sisters, join me. So it's like, does he mean it in that way? Or does he mean like literally all I know your is, brother? All I know is if... if if she takes it away, that, that Credence isn't related to Dumbledore. To me, that's that's the same as Luke throwing the lightsaber in episode Oh, that eight. makes this movie... If, if it's not true, then this movie just sucks. Because it's just all a big red herring. Farce. Yeah, it's a big farce. Right. It's just like, well, then this is just stupid. Like, that was that was pointless. So that, to me... It's like... And the phoenix is there. Like, he... The phoenix shows up. That's supposed to be confirmation, so... Wait, no, hold on. What was that? What? You were like, huh? Like, well, because like Dumbledore earlier in the movie is like, there's a legend in my family that a phoenix will appear to a Dumbledore in need, and then it does appear to Credence. So you're like, well, that must mean it's a Dumbledore. But then it's like... Credence also has dark hair, like Harry Potter. I don't think he's related bum, to bum, bum. Um, Credence but... also has a suspicious amount of five o'clock shadow that is like perfectly groomed yeah well ezra miller is my patronus so watch what you say <laughs> oh boy <laughs> yeah but then there's the case of how does grindelwald know his name's aurelius like there's a bunch of things that need explaining obviously but could 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 credence be the love child of grindelwald and dumbledore that is no. not how that works that's not how i don't think you know how magic works because you let me know tell you something works. it's magic <laughs> nope yeah, no, no, don't think so. It's magic. I, I we don't. don't know. Yeah, the fact is, we don't have answers to who <laughs> Credence is. Still, like we have a name that doesn't make any sense, and only he's Ray's father. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think. I think it's it's a longer time ago than that. <laughs> the galaxy far, right. far we had to away. We need to get too long. Yeah, galaxy far, far away. France. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a galaxy unto itself. <laughs> well, I think I've uh, run out of things to say, you guys. What did you think of Newt's Patronus? Yeah, it wasn't in the movie. Not Patronus. Not Patronus. Uh, Bogger. Oh, I mean, I was fine with it. I thought it was. I thought it was funny. I was. I just want to comment on this. Eddie Redmayne did an interview, and he was like, "I think my actual Bogger would be like randomly deep water, but I don't know how you would portray that on screen." I was like, man, did you watch the movie? Did you not see that? Well, it's not <laughs> like, yeah. it's not deep water. It's like a child drowning in deep water. In deep water. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it can be done. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's magic. The, they can the do whatever they want. The effectively does it anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. You, Ty, you hated it. I remember when the trailer came out and you were like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. His Patronus is a desk. It, or is not his Patronus. His Bogger's not, a it, desk. It's not. It speaks to who he is, Ty. Yeah, Newt doesn't want. Yeah, well, when he sits down to talk to the Ministry, that man must be absolutely horrified. Yeah, I think he seems nervous. This is his fifth time there. Does Newt know why he's there, or did Theseus just kind of set that up to? Like, I mean, Shanghai he knows him. he's there to try and, like, get his uh, international travel ban lifted. Oh, right, right, right. But they didn't want him. Yeah, he didn't know. But, yeah, you're, you're right. You had to refresh me of that, but I got you. What? what? Oh, you just cut out there for a second, but I think I understood. Oh, yeah, no, I was just saying, yeah, you, you reminded me of, of oh. how that worked. So, he, yeah, he did not know. He's freezing was... on me. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to. I think Ty's gone. That was... Oh, I'm okay. here. So, what's what's next? Like, what do you guys think is going to happen in Fantastic Beasts, The Great Depression? <laughs> oh, that's true. That's Are they going to change up. the title to something more... <laughs> Fitting. I think we're going to go to Ilvermorny in the next school, in the next movie, um, just based on that Nicholas Flamel book. Um, I, think I would love Nagini, to see that. 
I think Nagini is going to have a much bigger role. We still haven't seen Newt's Patronus, so I think we will either see Dementors or Lethifolds, which are, you know, the only two things you use them on. Um, I think... I th I imagine we're going to get to see the actual three-way duel via some sort of flashback because eventually we're going to need the history of, like, Ariana and Aurelius and all that. Um yeah, but you got three more movies for that. Oh, I know, but like, yeah. you know the end of the fifth, you already know the end of the fifth movie is going to be the big duel. The battle. Right, the battle, exactly. So you really only have two movies during which you could flash back to the three-way duel. And it seems like that's such a big, fun duel. Like, man, how can you pass up doing it? So I feel like we'll see it at some point. Um, From a storytelling perspective, I think uh, the fact that there's been so many flashbacks in this story that's already taking place in, in the past motion? from the story that we care about. What's that, Jack? Oh. Hey, sorry, you were coming through in like slow motion. So were you. Oh, oh weird. Yeah. I don't know uh, what's going on. Yeah, I was just saying, I think like it's so interesting talking about like a story that takes place in the past from the Potter universe and then being like, you know what, let's just flash back from here. I would have rather started with like Newt Scamander. Year one. Oh, sure. You know, and then like, you know, Newt's commander and the and the centaurs being, yeah. you know, his first year Let's at Hogwarts. His first year at Hogwarts, yeah. That'd be right. interesting. Um, yeah, but I mean, they did flashbacks in this movie already, so it's not. Yeah, that's anything. what I was saying. Is I, that's, I think it's an interesting uh, storytelling decision. Yeah. Well, even Harry Potter has flashbacks in it, uh, you know, the times of the Marauders. Hot Tom. And yeah, hot Tom. What a weird scene where they're like chasing Lita Lestrange around the castle. Yeah. That that whole thing, that was the scene I think out of all of them that weirded me out the most, where they're just like gleefully but angrily just like running around the outside of Hogwarts. I guess Lita is not really supposed to be a well-liked wizard just in general, it seems like. Um, someone says like, like, uh, what do they say? Something by all wizards or something like, something very negative. I think Grindelwald says it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're crazy about the Lestranges. Guess not. Guess not. I already have a bad relationship with the Wizarding yeah, World. Well, it's gonna keep continuing to be bad. I'll yep. tell you that much. They don't exactly uh, end up, and that's why I thought that like Lita Lestrange being the love interest in the first place, like, was kind of Lestrange. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! See what you did. <laughs> oh man. Oh, or man. or Lestrange as. Jim Dale says. Lestrange. Is that what he says? Yeah. Bellatrix Lestrange. Yeah. And he gives Bellatrix and Narcissa French accents. There you go. Which is just not how that works, but okay. No. They're just <laughs> from France, historically. That is, not how, that is not how marriage works. You don't get your husband's accent. Maybe they lived in France for a while. Maybe. But anyway, yeah. Um, oh, I had a question. Dang it. It's gone. It, it evaporated out of my head. Um, Tyler, what do you got? I don't know. I, um, as far as upcoming in the story, I really hope that a lot of these questions are resolved in a satisfying way. Um, you know, they weren't set up in a satisfying way, but I, I hope that things improve and maybe maybe a different screenwriter would be a good choice then jk but, rolling uh, yeah that's exactly what i nope, think yep nope can't have jk she can be a part of it i don't know if she needs to write the screenwriter this movie was very dialogue heavy yes maybe she yes, should just was. write them as books <laughs> wouldn't that be great i know she writes good books yeah, right let's do that I would be I would, all about I would, that. I would read these books. The problem is yeah, the movies have already too. been made, and now people will be like, well, this isn't like the movie. Well, right. That, that'd be the sort of the situation. Yeah, it's weird what order they came out. If they did that, I would consider the books a higher level of canon. 
than the movies. I would too, but there would definitely be differences and obviously more to the book. And and there would be that like awkward because like normally when they make books out of movies, they're terrible. Normally. Like when you when you readapt when you adapt a book in or adapt a movie into a book, it's like you just added a lot of stuff. It doesn't make any sense. Right. But yeah, you would definitely have to say that J.K. Rowling's Fantastic Beasts books would be the yeah, the, the 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 canon. I don't know. Right, 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 right. I don't know if I want that or don't want that. I can't decide. <laughs> It'd probably answer a lot of questions and I bet the stories would come together in more meaningful ways, but oh well. I hope that they hurry up with the next one. And that we don't have to wait like another couple years. Another two years? Yeah, yeah. I think we do. I think we do. Probably. There's no hey, pressure because we'll there's no Star kids Wars this time. Next year, so. We will. Wait, there's more Star Wars next year? I love Star Wars. Yeah, it's the small movie called Episode Nine coming out. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I've been busy worrying about the Avengers 4 trailer. That's supposed to come out so, Friday, right? Yeah. yeah. Excite! I'm just not concerned. Yeah, I think it's going to be good at this point. It'd be hard to mess up Avengers, but... I don't we'll think see. it would, actually. I think it'd be you very easy so? to mess up Avengers. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll I think see. that there, there are many endings they could give Avengers 4 that would just be like, that was way too cute, guys. How many, how many endings? Like 14 million? You gotta... You gotta... Because you gotta... <laughs> you've established consequences. Like at least. You've established consequences now. You have to continue with consequences you don't think, think they're gonna undo and everyone's gonna be fine <laughs> i think that if they if everyone is fine i'm not gonna enjoy it right well here's what i think they're gonna save most people and then someone's gonna end up dying anyway right someone like, captain america someone i don't know who captain america did. i just don't think that they if i think if it's captain america i do not think that marvel would have allowed him to tweet that captain america dead that's my prediction oh, i think tony stark did yeah could i be, think mm-hmm. i think tony stark dead tony stark here's my I prediction think tony stark Tired, but still around for epic cameos all the time. See, yeah, that's how I feel about Cap. Nope, I feel like it's the exact opposite. I'm on Team Cap. <laughs> <laughs> Team Cap dead. My I would thing, love. I would love for what, Cap to be dead. I would love it. That would make nothing would make me happier. But I think what's going to happen is they're going to make you fall in love with Catherine Langford, the grown daughter of Tony and Pepper. And then in order to save half the universe, they'll have to sacrifice their life with her. No, 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 no. What's going to happen? This is, I think you're right about, I think everyone's going to love Catherine Langford. And I think, um, what is, I think Tony and Steve are maybe they'll make up beforehand or maybe like the final thing that really brings Tony back to Steve's side is that Steve will sacrifice his life to save Tony's daughter in like a very obvious right in front of him sort of way. And then as a result, uh, his daughter will become the next Captain America. You think Catherine Langford is the next Captain America? That's right. I think that the trailer on Friday is going to tell us absolutely nothing. Nothing! Nothing <laughs> at all! It's going to have scenes that aren't in the because, movie. Like, it's gonna and that's what I... It, Infinity War was one of the few times in recent years that I've been satisfied with trailers because the Infinity War trailer was just pointless. Like, it's just a bunch of gratuitous action scenes that mean nothing. But they mean nothing. That, that aren't even some of in them the movie. Yeah. Maybe some of <laughs> like, them yeah, are where you think they're going to be. That they have Hulk yeah. transformed at the end, charging into battle. Like, that doesn't happen. Right, and you have Thanos, like, narrating it with lines he says, like, very early on in the movie. Yeah. Um, but, okay, so I think we need to wrap this up, because now we're just talking about Infinity War. That's accurate. And I've got stuff to do. <laughs> Fair. Gotcha. Gotcha, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I think we, we can wrap it so up. So where does this rank um, on your Potter scale? 
as far as movies oh, go. Man. Loses. Oh man, it loses. It uh, for you, it loses. It I'm loses. putting it just immediately behind Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Yeah, which otherwise loses. Nope. <laughs> which is currently my favorite Harry Potter movie. So it's your second favorite Harry Potter movie? Yeah, I think it's my second favorite. Where it's at? Have you seen? I don't actually. I would definitely say. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. I would definitely say that Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is my favorite Harry Potter movie. Yeah. I would yeah. definitely say that. I can tell you that I for would, sure. That might be my favorite Potter movie. I, this is definitely my least <laughs> favorite. Wow, so they fell hard on you, Ty. <laughs> I don't know. Like, this is still pretty much better than Chamber of Secrets. I, it doesn't have nearly enough Kenneth Branagh. Oh, yeah, yeah, but Kenneth it has Branagh, plenty of man. Johnny Depp. It doesn't. I would I would want so much more it depth. Has about as, it has movie. as much depth as, as that has Branagh. No. I mean, I Sorcerer's so. Stone and Chamber, I felt like we're pretty high on my Potter list, though. I'm just not sold on Chamber of Secrets as a story, as like a book. No. Oh, yeah. It's 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 my least favorite book. Ah, interesting. By, yeah, by like a, it, it, it's, it's, I don't know. There's a lot of plot convenience at the end with old Foxy there, I'll tell you what. Yeah, but, but I mean, it's not as, it's not as anyway. pointless as book three. Uh, yeah, that's where it ranks on my Potter movies. I don't know where I'd put it. Somewhere, yeah, somewhere near the bottom, I think. This is not my favorite, but it's no, it's no fantastic piece of where to find them. It's not as good as number one. I'm, it's just not. And I'm not I'll saying you're that. saying that. I'm just clarifying that, like, the first one was better. I'm just, this is my feeling walking out of the theater was, it's not, yeah, maybe not as good as the first one, but way better than my feeling walking out of most Harry Potter movies. So that's where I'm at. That's where, that's how I judge my right. movies, is what was my theater experience like? Because and, there have been some real big, like, in recent memory, and The Force Awakens and Infinity War have both just blown me away in, like, ways that movies have not done in a long time, though. So. Especially like big blockbustery type movies. I agree with that. And as a Potter movie, it's it's not bad. But as like a movie, it doesn't hold up. Sure. And that's my kind of issue with it. I think the bigger a Potter fan you are, the more you'll like. Like the more invested you already are in the Wizarding World, the more you'll like this movie because it's more of a Harry Potter movie than like just like a like a general moviegoer movie. Yeah, it's for the fans, yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. It's for the fans. Right, but so was Infinity War. And that didn't do well critically. It, yeah, it did. It felt like 76. Okay, that's a lot better than 40. Well, <laughs> it's a lot better movie. <laughs> that's the point. I just thank you for reinforcing my point. <laughs> but I mean, like, compared to, like, Winter Soldier. Okay, so where does this right. go on our big list? The bottom. What's on the bottom right now? Venom. This is better than Venom. This is better than Venom. It's I a lot better than Venom. Venom. I know that. I just know that. <laughs> I know that as a human on this earth, that this is better so than So far, Venom. all that's on the list is Venom, Transformers, and then the the Toy, Toy Story, Story movies in reverse order. That's from yeah, the wait, bottom Transformers up. 1? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, Venom, so it's better. it's Toy Story 3, Toy Story 2, Toy Story 1, Transformers 1, Venom. That's our I whole mean, list so far. I, as far as I can, I mean, I would put it above Transformers as well, but I know a lot of people really like Transformers. It's certainly not worse than Venom. <laughs> this is... A, I'll, I will I, go ahead and give you put Toy Story is a better movie. Yeah. <laughs> Toy Story is better in every way. The Toy Story uh, movies are better delightful. Than, yeah, they're, they're it's better be than Transformers. Beat. Okay, so this is going to go at fourth place on your current list? Sure. Yeah. All right. Oh, lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Fair enough. Cool. And we need a breakfast food. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. Salamanders. <laughs> <laughs> You don't need salamanders for breakfast. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give this this break. Um, my my breakfast food for this is going to be. And th I'm just saying. This, I know you can order this in like the UK. Just like a full English breakfast. As an American, ordering a full English breakfast because you're gonna get it and you're gonna be like, yeah, I know what most of this is. And then you're gonna be like, <laughs> but I'm sorry, are you calling this thing black pudding? 
I don't. <laughs> what, is some, what is some of this? So there you go. I'm calling it a full English breakfast. We're like most of it. Yeah, some of it. What? Huh? I can there get behind go. that. There you go. I can be behind that as well. Cool. Okay. That's good. I'll, I'll take, take it. it. Great. All right. All right. Well, Jonathan, you can find Jonathan on the Super Carlin Brothers. Uh, you can go to YouTube.com/slash Super Carlin Brothers. You'll find. Yeah, him. that's me. Uh, they do. They do all sorts of stuff. Super Carlin Gaming, Jonathan Carlin Vlogs. Uh, you can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash, I don't know, probably Bacon and Eggs. If you search it, you'll find it. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Bacon and Eggs 23, on Instagram at Bacon and Eggs Podcast. Ethan is at Wow Now, the O's are zeros. I'm at AmeriCarlin. Uh, <clears throat> that's America, R-L-I-N. Jonathan is at Jonkerlin. And what is he doing? Does anybody really care? Oh, throwback. Oh, uh, Ah, oh, there it is. There uh, John Carlin, J-O-N-K-E-R-L-I-N. I, I miss yeah. that channel sometimes. Uh, well, it's still there, Ethan. <laughs> it's still there. Yeah, but nothing yeah, nothing can, new comes out. You can learn all about faulty thermometers. There's no Sims in real life, too. <laughs> uh. <laughs> you can just watch me stream The Sims on Twitch. <laughs> you can do that. Yeah. You can... You can hang out with jonathan on his discord server you can hang out with us on our discord server you can find those on our patreon pages links are in the description of this episode wherever you're listening to it because you can listen to it wherever you want you know that you made it to this point um yeah ethan do you have anything i do not to say not jay any last thoughts the last thing no what i don't know oh ask jay if he had any last thoughts oh no I have no further thoughts. Okay, okay, fair enough. Well, then... Better than Venom. <laughs> it's be- <laughs> Ringing endorsement there. Fantastic piece, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Better than Venom since 2018. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Bacon and Eggs. I've been Ethan Edgehill. He's been Tyler Carlin, and him over there has been Jonathan Carlin. And until next week, Arrivederci. Abernathy.